Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Before we jump in the message, I want to tell you guys about something um, that I, it's on your connection card and you'll, you'll hear about it in the next two weeks, but I wanted to share it with you because it's really cool. The last couple of years, we've done something called a family fun worship day and we usually do it the Sunday after Easter. We're moving it back this year because it's fallen on spring break and all that. So April 10th, we are doing our family fun worship day and um, this is just always, this has been become like a really cool uh, day of worship here, and it's really kid-focused and family-focused. We have a great time. This year, we're adding on to it by incorporating something called the Family Fun Challenge, and basically, it starts from today up until April 6th. There's a reason for that, and, and, and the challenge doesn't take a month to do, but we're giving folks a month to do this, and so if you have kids that are uh, kindergarten up, um, this is something that, that you can participate in. I encourage you to go online where, where it shows the Family Fun Challenge and, and read up on this. But there's going to be some, some things you can do as a family, um, like pray together, um, uh, teach your children about uh, giving, offering, uh, do a, a project together as a family, uh, kind of you know, outreach you know, outside of your comfort zone maybe a little bit, you know, go to a nursing home and visit some complete strangers, just you and your family, or, or just, you can be creative with that. Um, and, then, and then memorize a few scripture verses, depending on the age of the child, but all that is online. We've got some really cool, and what you do, if you do all this, depending on if you do all of these things, you get your name entered so many times, and we're gonna do a drawing on that April 10th Sunday for some really cool stuff, like a Wii U for elementary age kids, or PS4, I know no middle school kid wants a PS4, there's JD wants a PS4, so I don't know if you're gonna um, and, and some other cool stuff or an iPad for our, anyway. We're doing some really neat things, and we have some general drawings that day. But it's a great day. It's a great challenge to be a part of. It's a fun time to come together and worship. Uh, it's a great opportunity, great, great opportunity for you to invite someone, a family you know, to come to worship with you that day. That they don't have a church home, they don't have a place they connect awesome opportunity to do that. So that's April 10th is the day, but starting today on is the Family Fun Challenge, and you can go online and read all about that. So you're welcome, JD. I didn't make you make that announcement, so there you go. Um, so we're in, as he said, week 11 of this extraordinary series, and uh, we're talking today about this idea of, of courage, but before we look at this passage in Ephesians, which is where we are, if, you're, if you've been reading along with us, uh, we find ourselves in Ephesians as one of our uh, readings this week. Here's a question for you, though. What do these three things have in common? A hockey goalie, a baseball catcher, and a father holding an eight-month-old child. Pay attention and you'll find out. Um, so here we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I want to read this. And let's see, it's a pretty familiar passage if you've been around church at all in your life. But I want you to hear it again today. So if you know this passage, ask God to give you fresh ears for this. Ask him to show you something new because you might have memorized this thing. You got it down pat. You can do like, you know, movements to it. And maybe there's a song that goes with it. But ask God to give you uh, a fresh uh, eyes and ears on this passage. Ephesians chapter 6. Here we go. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that, so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So uh, this is the famous armor of God passage. Uh, it's, it's a well-known passage. It's been taught many times. If you, if you were a little kid growing up in church, you probably did some sort of cutout, magnet, flannel graph, something where you put armor on a person. We, this is a very, very well-known passage. Can I just point out the obvious? Um, there's a reason that this is called the armor of God and not the t-shirt of God, you know, or the, the members-only jacket of God or the, the fleece of God. No, none of those things offer protection. It is armor. It is armor that is required. It, it's, it needs to be strong. It needs to be able to resist. There's a reason it's called armor. There's a need for protection, which goes to my question I asked at the very beginning, and you're sitting there going, what are you talking about? In the course of a baseball game, a small, hard ball is hurled as hard as it can be repeatedly over and over again towards a guy who is squatting on the ground with his legs open. In a, in a hockey game, there is a, a, a weird-shaped puck, hard. Have you ever held a hockey puck? That sucker is hard. Can you imagine that thing getting shot at you? There's a guy standing at a goal, and someone is shooting this puck at him, and he's standing on very thin blades on ice. And then there is the father of an eight-month-old, freakish skill, skills, freakish strength of this child who suddenly wants to jump up and down on daddy's lap. There's a need for protection. For the catcher, for the goalie, I think they should give out cups to every dad that has a kid. It's like the mom gets cool stuff, they should just give cups out to dads and just say, here you go. It should be a thing. You, you, see, you watch any, I know, what are you talking about, Shannon? I can't believe you're talking about this at church. But it's, it's so, like there's this, men have this amazing, um, like lightning fast reflexes that they develop once you have a kid. It's like the, the, quick, the quick leg in front of the, the thing that you can do, the move back. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? You know you know what I'm talking about. You just don't want to laugh along because we're at church. There's a need for protection. You need it. We need the armor of God. We need the armor of God. There's a reason that Paul talks about the armor of God. It, it's this, he uses these really good words to develop this image of what it's like because there is no literal 
armor of God. You know, when, when you, you don't get it in like a pack. It doesn't come like Amazon Prime doesn't send it to your house the day that you pray to receive Christ. You go, oh, great, my armor of God's in. I can wear it now. It's, it's, it's figurative, but it, it's, he uses these beautiful words to describe this armor. And, 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 and this, is, this is no, there's no joke about the need for it. There's a reason Paul calls it armor. Let's not, let's not um, I mean, just as much as a catcher needs to wear uh, equipment that covers him, just as much as a goalie needs to wear equipment that covers him, there is a need for the armor because, listen, and it's not a baseball, and it's not a hockey puck, and it's not a little kid's foot that's the problem. Let's not move on until we recognize that if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you do have an enemy. He is very real. And he would love nothing more than to destroy. He would love nothing more than to tear down. He would love nothing more than to cast doubt. There is an enemy. And it's not a baseball and it's not a puck. It's, there is an enemy who would love nothing more than to wreak havoc in your life. It is real. And we should not move on from this and just view it as a, oh, well, that's a cute idea. That's a great use of words, Paul. Good job. We need the armor of God. If we're followers of Jesus, that we need to understand that there's one who would love nothing more than to destroy our livelihood, our family, our career, our relationships, our health, our present, and our future. We have an enemy, and we need protection, and the armor of God is that protection. So I want us to look at these verses real quick that I just read to you, and I want us just to consider them uh, with a little more time, because I just kind of read through that passage, and then we jumped in. But, but here's a very detailed um, way to see how we are protected from an enemy. The first four verses, starting in verse 10, Paul kind of sets out um, why there is a need for armor to begin with. Um, he, he says in verse 10 to, to be strong in the Lord's mighty power, not our own power. And so he's saying you need to be strong. You, there, there is a need for you as a follower of Christ to be strong. You know, we could, we could throw in this word to be courageous here. Um, and, and I love this because if I'm following along and I'm hearing someone tell me I need to be strong, my first thought is, am I strong enough and why do I need to be strong? And Paul goes right into answering that question in verse 11. He says, wear armor. So I'm not strong enough. I need armor. I, I'm on my own. I, I need more than myself. Paul addresses this. Wear armor against the devil, against our enemy. So it's not just to, to put on an, a, a set of armor to look good. There's a reason we have it on. Then in verse 12, um, he talks about really w what this enemy is like. There's a, a dark world. There's, there's, there's dark powers that, that are you know, in the unseen that are coming against us. A very real enemy. Paul is addressing all this. And so he says in verse 13, there is a need for armor to resist this enemy. There is a need for us to wear this and stand firm in it. So, you know, you find that you can, can trust this armor, that, that, that you, can, you can wear it and stand firm in it. And then beginning in verse 14 through 17 is where Paul lists what this armor is, what it looks like. And, and this is where, you know, if you're in, you know, 
you know, your Sunday school class, your VBS class, you know, you get to do the cutout things and, and the glue stick and put it on there and you put on the belt of truth, you know, you put on the, the shield of faith, you do all these things. But, but, you know, think about this for a moment, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. The opposite of truth, of course, is a lie. And I will just say this, that, that lies are death. Lies lead to nothing productive comes from lying. Nothing uh, fruitful comes out of a lie. Nothing can be born of God out of a lie. And so there's a reason Paul says, put on the belt of truth. A belt is a, is a piece of, uh, you, you, it's not really clothing, but it's used to hold things up, to hold things together, to make sure it's good. There's a reason it's called the belt of truth. It is, it's what holds it together. It's what, it's what is the, um, it encircles the whole thing. I mean, imagine that, a belt of truth. Anyone want to put on a belt of lies? I mean, we don't, we don't willingly say, oh, I'm getting dressed now. Let me throw on my belt of lies to get through today. We don't want that. We might wear it sometimes. But the, it's the belt of truth. Everything else uh, outside of truth uh, built, is built on lies. And so there's a reason it's a, a belt of truth. Now, move to the next thing. I love how the New Living Translation uh, uses this word because if you've grown up here in another version, you've probably heard the breastplate of righteousness. I like the New Living Translation, the body armor of righteousness. It's just, I like to hear something in a new way sometimes. It helps me to, to think about it more. What, is, what does the breastplate do? What does it cover? It covers the vital organs. It covers the, the vital part of your body. It's the body armor of righteousness. It is, it is you put it on and you realize I'm, I'm standing under the righteousness of God. The opposite of which is the unrighteousness. We, we don't want that. We don't want lies. We don't want to be in unrighteousness. We want to wear that body armor that covers the vital organs. I love the next one. Put on peaceful shoes. Shoes of peace. This is what I thought of when I read that. How many times have I gone into a situation, a conversation, maybe a, a tense deal, uh, maybe something I know it's not going to be... Um, you know, pleasant, maybe. And I've gone on, and I've stomped right on in there, and I was not wearing shoes of peace. I might have been wearing shoes of, of um, argumentation, of you bet, you're about to hear what I'm going to say. You, we, anyone have a pair of those shoes in their closet? You know, um, I'm about to give you a piece of my mind, boots, you know. Those are boots. Those aren't, those aren't shoes. Those are just boots. You know, I think about the, see, the imagery Paul uses here is so cool. Think about when you put on a pair of shoes to go walking into something. See, you're, you're going into something. There's a reason he said the shoes and not an you know, easy chair. You're, you're going into something and to go with peace. Hopefully, as followers of Jesus, there have been times when you have thought, you know what? I'm not going to go in my natural instinct on this. I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to, to, to carry me into what I'm about to do. And you've come out going, I can't, wow, it was amazing. It's amazing because all I wanted to do was fight back and put up my dukes and, and everything. And I went in there choosing peace, choosing, allowing the spirit to minister in the situation. And it came out completely different than it would have if I had gone in wearing my boots of let me give you a piece of my mind. 
So there's a reason Paul says, put on shoes that carry peace. You know, we, we go in peace. It's a phrase we use in the church, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Not, not go in confrontation, go in anger, go in retribution. You know, these are, these are some shoes that, that I have. Paul says, wear shoes of peace. A shield of faith against the arrow, those fiery arrows. A shield of faith. I mean, you know, who wants to... We have an enemy who wants to bring harm, who wants to bring pain to our lives. Again, we cannot discount this. We have an enemy. The shield of faith. We hold that up. It is a, and and what's, what is different about the field, shield of faith versus the, the bar, body armor of righteousness is that wherever my body goes is where that body armor goes. But a shield, you can move. You can lift it up. You can lower it down. You can move it to the le- left. You can move it to the right. You can do these things. The shield of faith is something that you carry in before you. We go in with faith. There are times we say, there's no way on my own. And we're right. There is no way on my own but the shield of faith. I have faith in one stronger than me. I have faith in one who is wiser than me. I have faith in one who is more peaceful than me. We carry the shield of faith. See, this imagery that that Paul writes, it's, I mean, thousands of years later, we are talking about this passage that Paul wrote. And it speaks so much truth to us. We need protection. The helmet of salvation. I mean, just imagine the imagery of salvation being from from the head right on down to the toe. The helmet of salvation that covers our thoughts, our intellect. Some of us are too smart for our own good. I don't happen to be one of those people. But the helmet of salvation covering us from our head all the way down to our toes. It's not a, the wrist, wrist watch of salvation, you know, just a little bit. It's, it's a helmet that covers us. It covers our heart, heart our, our mind, all the way down from our head to our toes. And then, of course, the sword of the Spirit. Who did, anyone in here grow up doing sword drills? Yeah, it's more of a Baptist thing, but I mean, I think Methodists should do it too. The sword drills, that's what they call it. You sit there with your Bible clothes, um, you know, probably you got to have your hands up in the air or something crazy, and then, and then the teacher calls out the Bible verse, and you got to flip to it and find it first. What do you do? You hold your Bible up if you got it? I don't know how it goes. Oh, you stand up. See, there you go. See, Justin knows. Sword drills, the Word of God. Listen, I can be completely covered in every technological, man-made armor that exists right now. And I'm still not covered. God's word covers. Physically, yes, I might be protected. But spiritually, it is the word of God. It is the word of God. I mean, it's what we're walking through right now, verse by verse by verse. It is the word of God that brings life. It brings truth. It brings promise. It brings hope. It brings conviction when we need it. It is the word of God. And we need that. And it's not a, the feather, you know, of, it's, the, it's the sword of the spirit. It's not the soft little cuddly, you know, feather of, of the spirit. It, it's something that penetrates. It cuts 
the sword of the Spirit. Verse 18, I love this. Uh, It says this, stay alert in your prayers. Because you know what? You can have all the armor on. You can have on all the armor of God from head to toe, equipped with the latest and the greatest. But if you take a nap in that, we need to stay alert. We need to stay alert. I think like in military terms, you're, you're, if you're on a watch, you're on a patrol, you're, you, you, you've got someone with you, you, you better stay awake. You know, there, there were, there were, bad things would come to someone who was supposed to be on watch and fell asleep. Stay alert. Stay alert because you can be covered, and if you're not alert, the enemy will find a way. And as followers of Christ, we have an enemy. Now, I want to point out two more verses that I didn't read in the opening section, but I think are really important that Paul writes. And, and so I, I just, we, we just walked through verses 10 through 18 of Ephesians 6, and now I want us to look at verses 19 and 20. I think these are so important that, that finish out this, this chapter. This is what Paul writes, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now here's two things I think that are interesting about this. One is this, Paul asks for prayer. We, after, after he too um, puts on the armor of God, I mean, he, he's not saying, hey, everyone else wore the armor but me. No, he's saying, I need these things too. I'm putting these things on too. I'm putting on the helmet and the shield and the body armor and the belt and the sword and the shoes. I've got all this on too. And then he asks for prayer. And I was thinking about this, you know, there's no mention of any armor, of any covering on the backside. Everything's in front. The, 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 the breastplate of righteousness is on the front. The shield of faith is held in front. The shoes point forward. The sword you point in front of you. Everything is forward. There is no covering in the back. And as I read this, this is it. The prayers of others is our hiney guard. It's the, it's the backside flaps you know, that cover you there. The prayers of other people. Sarah's over there giggling. There's no mentioning uh, of a cover in the back. You know, there's a, there's a term. I got your back. This is what Paul is saying. Will you get my back? As Christians, will you get my back? I'll get your back. You know, the military term. I got your six. Your six o'clock is right behind you. I got your six. Prayers. You go through all this body armor, and I love it that Paul comes back with it in verse 19 saying, and pray for me. Pray for me. I, I've got you covered in the back. The second thing we see here in, the, in, these, in, the, in this verse, these last two verses of Ephesians 6, and, and this one I really, it jumped out at me. I had never noticed it before. I've looked at this passage many, many, many times. I'd never seen this before. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't recognize it. Paul says, um, well, here's what Paul's not doing. 
Paul is not standing out in a public forum, making a big address to everyone, and, you know, kind of, you know, in, in like really, you know, tan, muscly way, you know, looking, saying, hey, you know, like singing Queens, you know, we are the champions. He's not doing that. Do you know where Paul is when he's talking about having the armor of God? He's in jail. He's locked up. He's like, you know, like pale and scrawny and I imagine like 1972 PE equipment, you know, all like worn and stained and, and funky smelling. And, and that's kind of what he's, that's how I envision him. He's sitting in jail saying, put on the armor of God. And that's what he's getting. And he's saying, pray, pray, pray. He's in chains now, he says to us. And he wasn't being figurative. I mean, he's saying, I'm locked up because I was talking about Jesus again. Pray for me. Be strong in your faith. And so here's Paul, and, and he's got this, this armor of God, and, and he's saying to you and to me, this is not optional wear. If you're a follower of Christ, this is not optional wear. Whether you're in prison or out of it, whether things are going great or horrible, whether you know exactly what today holds or you have no idea, the armor of God is not optional wear for followers of Christ. We put it on. And this is what I find in Paul. That is extraordinary courage. Because his circumstances... I mean, I don't know what kind of letters I would be writing if I was locked up. I would hope that I would write Paul-like letters, but I don't know. Instead of singing, we are the champions, I might be singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, something like that. But Paul's saying, stand firm, be strong, move forward. You have an enemy. Don't let him get you. Cover each other. Pray for one another. And that's courage. That's courage. You know, we use the word courage, and, and we might think it means, you know, someone, you know, there's, the, there's kind of the innate courage. You know, some people, I'm, I'm a weirdo. If, if I heard a noise in a house all by myself, I would go look out. I would go to the source of the noise. I'm just a weirdo. Other people don't do that. You know, remember the old, remember the old time scary movies? You'd be like, don't go upstairs, you know, the back, you know. I'm the person that would go upstairs, you know. Everyone in the movie theater is going, don't go upstairs. I'm the, I'm the dummy that goes upstairs. But that's not really courage. The courage that Paul is talking about is the courage that says every one of the circumstances are saying that I am in trouble. Every circumstance right now is saying, Run but I'm gonna put on the armor of God and I'm gonna go forward. You know, I think about this extraordinary courage and, and I think of it as, you know, I, I think of it as someone who's slipping away in hospice and, 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 and they're moving forward with the courage of God. They're, they're moving on with that, you know, that they're slipping, they're, they're in that, that weird place going from life to, to a death to a, a new life. Encourage. I think about that. The, the encourage that, that many people have, it's, you know, it, it's seen, you know, the extraordinary courage of God is seen in, in the person whose marriage is crumbling, slipping through their fingers. And they're saying, no, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm trusting God. 
That, that's, that's courage. It's, it, it's seen like in Paul, it's seen in the person who's, who's locked up, maybe in a physical prison or maybe in another kind of prison. But they're saying, I'm going to have the extraordinary courage of God. I'm moving forward. I'm going to put on what has been given to me. And I'm going to ask for prayers to cover the parts that are not. And this is the, this extraordinary courage that Paul writes about is seen in what you and I are about to participate in. It is seen in communion. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about if you know the story of what Christ did the, the night before he was betrayed, he, was, he, was, he had the meal with his, his friends. He had had the, the um, supper with them. He had presented this communion to him. And then he ends up going to a garden and he weeps and weeps and weeps because he did not want to go through with what the plan was. And the extraordinary courage of Christ is found in his being obedient to what the Lord had in store. We call ourselves Christians because Jesus had extraordinary courage. And so when you and I participate in this beautiful sacrament that Jesus gave to us to be reminded of who he is, I want you to consider the fact that Jesus, in extraordinary courage, gave his life for you and for me, his body broken. And in extraordinary courage, Jesus in order to satisfy the law, had his blood poured out for you and for me so that our sins would be forgiven. So when we talk about the armor of God, it is not a figurative thing. It is very real. And we are called to move forward in faith, we are called to move forward, to go forward, and to trust God, even when the circumstances don't make sense. We need to have people praying for us and covering our backside. And we go forward in faith. And we get to see and participate in this beautiful sacrament of Jesus Christ, his extraordinary courage shown to you and me. Before we uh, receive this together, I'd ask if you would take just a, a few moments to prepare your heart in prayer, confession if you need to, as I serve those who will be serving you. Thank you that you don't call us into a relationship with you through Jesus and you leave us unprotected. Lord, you have equipped us, each and every one of us, and my prayer is that we would take up those pieces of the armor and we would put them on. We would recognize the fact that there is one who would love nothing more than to bring us down and we need that armor. Lord, that we can move forward in extraordinary courage just as Jesus for us. We can move forward. God, I pray that 
that if, if the, the so what of today would be that we know to put on that armor, but we also would, as Paul asked, we would, we would ask those to pray for us and that we would offer the prayers for others, that we are in this together. None of us are, are solo. None of us are, are lone rangers on the journey of faith. We are in this together. So we are covered in front.